You are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast. And today we talk all about fueling. When to fuel your long runs and your races, why you need to do that, and what you can do to improve your performance in your next training and your races. So, if you want to run faster, stay tuned. Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre. And with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. I'm Rochelle. And as always, happy to be here. So before we start, we want to say three little things, right? Like a how, housekeeping, they call it. Sure. Sure. We that can, works. We can, that works. Perfect. Yeah. Um, the first one is we talk about last episode about Belgium, right? That we were the number two podcast in fitness. So I researched three interesting things I think about Belgium. One, I want to say thank you in whatever language they speak in Belgium. And they, there are three official languages. Wow. French, English, and Dutch. Okay. So in French, it's, it's a little easier, right? Merci. I, I, I'm probably saying that terribly. That's quite good. Yeah, you think? Yeah. I, I think so. For someone who's Canadian but doesn't speak French, I'm a okay. bad Canadian. Me neither. So I just, <laughs> I just know how to say I don't speak French in French. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in German, it's Danke. I, know, I knew that one. But I have to research uh, in Dutch. Met da. That thank you in Dutch. Oh, cool. Three Very different interesting. languages. Uh, also, they have a... I, okay, who is the best Belgium runner of all time? Yeah, I, I was trying to think of runners from there that I no. knew and I drew a blank. Yeah, me too. So I have yeah. to research. And his name was Gaston. That's in, I pronounced that in Spanish. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Riff. Gaston Riff. Uh, the interesting thing is that he competed in two Olympics in the 5,000 meters. And in 20, 1948, he won gold medal defeating Emil Satopek. Do you know who Emil Satopek is? No. Okay, it's one of the greatest runners of all time. I should know who he is. He's the only one, well, the first, I think it's the only man that has accomplished it. In the, in the 1952 Summer Olympics, he won the gold medal in the 5,000 meters the 10,000 meters, and then mid-Olympics, he decided to run his first marathon, and he won. Oh, wow. So he won three Olympic, gold Olympic medals in the same year, 5,000, 10,000, and the marathon. So Emil Satopek, it's like a staple. I, I think he was from Czech Republic. Yes. I don't think Czech Republic was in, <laughs> existed in 1952, but he was from there. Yeah, yeah. So That's a yeah. huge range to be strong at. From the, Like, usually if you're great at the 5,000 meter, you're not going to be that amazing at the marathon. And Eliud Kipchoge has won Olympic gold medals in five and mm -hmm. marathon just not in the same year. Yes. Like 20 years apart. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what would happen if he did a 5K right now. I'm I sure he would still be very fast, obviously, yeah. but probably not top three at the Olympics or anything like but that. But he, he could qualify, I, yeah. I believe. I think right. so too. He'd probably qualify with the 5K within the marathon. Yeah, it's And I also le 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 thought, okay, Will it be interesting to go run something in, in Belgium? And I found two interesting races 
I will be interested in. One is called the Beer Lover Marathon. It's in May this year. I'm in. And let's the thing, go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, we still have time to book some hotels yeah. and flights. <laughs> and uh, the different thing here is that in the eight, eight stations, all they give you water and Gatorade, but you can also taste 15 different Belgian beers. So we all get drunk from mile 26 or kilometer 42. There's so, no hitting the wall because you don't feel the wall. Exactly. It just doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> and the other one is I'm a, I'm a Formula One fan. And you can run a race in the Spa-Francorchamps circuit, which is really, really interesting. Oh, it's a seven-kilometer okay. uh, circuit, so you can run inside the track one lap. And that would be fast. Is it banked? Like, is it curved? Yeah, it, that, that one has a really steep uh, climb right at the beginning. I oh, think it, interesting. It's like 600 meters in one or two kilometers. So it's a big, big climb. It won't be fast. Okay. Not fast race. That one specifically. A lot of races are, but that one specifically, it's not. It won't be fast. But I think, okay, let's go to Belgium to yeah. have Do some, some running and drink some beer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the other uh, thing is that Richelle created a Facebook group this past weekend. It's called the Chasing PRs Podcast Group, mm -hmm. right? So that's where we are in planning to share all the things we talk about here in the podcast. If we talk about a book or an Instagram account or something like that, that's the place we, we intended to, to have those things and to interact with, uh, with our listeners. They can ask, ask questions. Yeah, I find Instagram, we have an Instagram account as well, but there's not as much interaction ability there. So a Facebook group, if, if something happens today and you ask a question or you want to know about something, post in there because I'm sure you're not the only one with that question. And then if we don't know the answer, we'll find it for you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. search that on, on Facebook, Chasing PR's podcast group. Mm -hmm. I'm also going to add it to the notes in the episode notes, right? In Perfect. the description on Shopify and Apple, you can find the link there. And finally, if you haven't heard our first interview from the, for the Chasing PR podcast, we invite you to listen to it. We had the pleasure to interview new Ottawa's mayor, Mark Sutcliffe. He's a very accomplished runner, and I think it was a great conversation. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, uh, you know, speaking to him and learning from him. I feel like I learned a lot in that episode, too, yeah. especially as someone trying to qualify for Boston. Exactly. Yeah. And his journey to qualify for Boston was a pretty interesting one. So if you haven't, uh, give, it a, give it a try. And we are, in, we are planning to have one of those episodes every month. Mm -hmm. Right, interview some very someone very interesting with a good insight, someone that can help us um, or help everyone that balance of live work, training for Boston, training for a marathon. That's the goal of the podcast. So we 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 already have a few people in the line, and stay tuned. Yeah, they're gonna be like extra episodes. So uh, let's talk really quickly because it's getting long uh, about our training last week. How was your training? It was good. It was good. Yeah. Like the last two or three weeks, you always start with, it was good. Yeah. That's there's awesome. no, I am really being very, very cautious and paying attention to any little nickel so it doesn't turn into anything bigger. Um, but yeah, I did 28 kilometers on the weekend. And I've always, I kind of like running alone for my long runs. I'll put a podcast on or a audible book. And the last few weeks I've run with different people, like 
you know, running patients of mine or running friends of mine. And the 28K flew by. Wow. Like I could not believe it when I looked down at my watch and we were at 18K and we only had 10 left. It was, uh, and the footing was good. I just need to, we were talking about this the other day. I need to be careful that that long run doesn't start to make up too much of my weekly mileage. Yeah. So I'm going to start trying to catch up a little bit because I did 28 kilometers, but my weekly mileage was 66. Okay. Um, so it's not 50%, but it's getting there. Yeah. So I'm going to try to like build up. <laughs> I have room to run a little bit more on Mondays and Fridays to 42%. add it up. 42%. Yeah, 42. So I don't want, I definitely don't want to go any, that's a bit high. Yeah. Um, so I have room Mondays and Fridays to run a little bit more. Okay. Saturday is my rest day. So I'm going to focus on that and bring down the long run a little bit and play catch up because it's yeah. feeling good. Yeah, the research and the big coaches say that between 20 to 30% it's ideal. I think it, sometimes it's too much for a runner with life and kids and work. To, to, because if you want to run a 30-kilometer long run, 32-kilometer, let's say, because it's 20 miles, mm -hmm. you need to be hitting 100 kilometers a week, and yeah. not everyone has the time to do it. No, but I will try to get up towards 80, 90 kilometers a week. I, w I won't quite get, but I definitely like 40 40 percent and higher is too much. So yeah. I'll I'll try to at least trim it back. A yeah, that, that, I think that's a big learning. People that okay, I, I need to get my long run and 30 kilometers or 20 miles, and your whole mileage was 40 miles or 60 kilometers. Uh, I think I, I researched that the other day and I couldn't find anything, but my gut feeling is that it's like a recipe to getting. Mm -hmm. When we, I did the running clinic course um, with the group based out of Quebec and they had research at the time, this was 2019, that showed if it was 50% or higher, injury risk just ramped up because yeah. it's almost like you're not running enough during the week to support that big long run. Exactly. Almost like trying to do this you crazy deadlift and not training exactly. for it. It's just, yeah. Yeah, you try to, to cramp everything into a long run and uh, yeah. I don't think it's a good strategy. And you end up... Like I did 28 Sunday and then last night I did six and it hardly felt like I had run the day before. Okay. Whereas in the past when my long run has made up a huge chunk of my weekly mileage, I need like two days to recover from it. I'm just beat up from it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe you can start those, that 6K turning into 8, 10 mm -hmm. and then your weekly mileage gets 10, 20%. Yeah. Higher. It was funny. I was running along in Barhaven and there's hardly any hills and I'm like, oh my God, I don't even feel like I ran yesterday. I feel great. <laughs> and then there's this hill by the A&W and I was like, oh no, I ran yesterday. Oh, yeah. This is really hard. Under the bridge? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, like when I hit that, I was like lost my arrogance. I was like, <laughs> no, I definitely feel the run. The 28K yeah. from cool. yeah. I think that those are very interesting uh, lessons that people can get in, put into their training. Mm -hmm. um, me, it was like an unplanned slash planned <laughs> Uh, off week, I've been building my mileage for like five, six weeks now. So it was my daughter's birthday. So we went on a trip and I missed my Sunday long. That's a good reason though. Yeah. And I feel, I feel great. I, I got a massage yesterday on my calves that were starting to feel the, the mileage. So uh, yeah, it, you always think if you miss a workout, it's going to, oh no, I missed a long run. And I only do 18 or 16 long runs during a cycle if you miss one. That's like a huge chunk. But if you, it's helping your body and your mind to recover and to reset and to start to build up again, I'm not really stressed about it. You probably do better for it yeah. compared to the person who jams it in Sunday night when they get home and they're exhausted after putting the kids to bed to like just skip it. Yeah. So yep. it was it was fun. I, I, I swam with my kids on Saturday. So I wasn't completely on bed. I, tried to, I always tried to stay active, mm -hmm. walk. I, I, I 
spend like two hours in the swimming pool with them. So at least I stayed active somehow. I think that's a sign of a healthy relationship with running. When you can look at your schedule and you've got this important run on it, but you're like, it's my daughter's birthday and we're doing a family trip. This is going to be a recovery week. I don't think it's healthy when someone either doesn't make it ideal for the family or they do it anyway and then, you know, their partner or their kids are upset because they're gone. Like it's just that's a good sign of a healthy healthy relationship with running, I think, because yeah. it can be unhealthy often. There can be definitely like kind of an addictive personality comes in with running yeah, sometimes. And you, you start to get into trouble with your partner or your kids and yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, you don't want your family to resent running. That's, no. That's, that's like a really important one. I think, yeah, we need to talk more about that, mm -hmm. how to balance because it's a whole uh, theme of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a whole episode on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about fueling today. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about only fueling for your runs or your race, right? We're not going to talk about today about uh, nutrition, your day-to-day -day, the hab eating habits or how much carbs, how much protein in your daily nutrition. We're talking about specifically about fueling. Mm -hmm. I think that's super important for, for runners to, to learn. It's, you were just telling me that someone, you know, ran a 28 kilometer and he only ran, ran water. Yeah, he didn't really know. He's just new to long distance running. He's a really good sprinter and just getting into marathon training now. And he had no idea that you needed to take anything in during some runs, not all runs, but yeah. some of them, which we'll talk about. Yeah. So I, I wanted to start explaining why, what's fueling, right? Because I think we heard, we hear that concept a lot, but what, what is fueling? So fueling is just getting, giving your body enough glucose to convert the, that glucose into energy for your muscles. That's the whole point. I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. We can explain all the process of how it happens, but I don't think it's worth it. But uh, if you, you eat carbs that are converted to glucose, that's why your muscles and your mitochondria, and specifically in your muscles, convert into something called ATP. And that's the energy that your muscles need to move. Mm -hmm. Okay, So fueling me means having enough carbs for your running effort. Yeah. That, that's pretty much it. And if you don't have enough carbs, it's kind of like going on a road trip and you forgot to fill up the gas tank. Yeah. Like you're kind of running on empty and the only way to keep going is to, Push without crashing, is to get some carbs in your body. Exactly. And I think that that's a very, really interesting point because people say, okay, what about fat? What about proteins? Mm -hmm. Right? What, what, what uh, role they play into fueling our bodies? Okay. Proteins can't be converted into glucose in our body. So proteins are... Uh, have a different purpose in in our system. Fat can be processed into 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 glucose. The only thing is that the process of converting fat into glucose is super slow. So when we are walking in our everyday lives, we don't have any issues converting or using fat as uh, an energy source because we are not moving fast, right? But when we are running, we burn more energy than we can convert from fat into glucose. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we hit the wall, for example, in a marathon, in a long run, physiologically, what happens is that your, your glycogen, we will talk about glycogen in a second, reserves uh, get empty, and you start to use fat to, com to, 
to create energy for your muscles. But that process is super slow and you can't go as fast because you don't have enough energy. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So what's glycogen? Glycogen is how our body uh, store carbs in our body. Okay? So if you are eating right now something, you are converting, converting into glucose. You are using that to move, to breathe, to talk. The, the part that you are not using it, that's the, one, the part that gets stored in our muscles as glycogen for when we need it. It can be reconverted into glucose super fast and use it to run and provide energy to your body. In and the maximum, depends on the body, but they say, the research says that the maximum amount of carbs or calories that you can uh, store in your muscles, in your liver and in your blood is 2000 calories. So that's what, that's what you have right now if you are completely few, full mm -hmm. of, of calories. That it's, and, that's, and that's exactly the goal of carb loading. Is to top up that 2,000 calorie exactly. that's, store. That's, yeah. the only, that's the only goal because every time we move, we burn calories. When we are sleeping, we're burning calories. Mm -hmm. So the whole point of the, that week of carb loading of the two or three days before carb loading, having a good breakfast is to top up that 2,000 calories. Yeah, it makes to compare it to the road trip analogy again, like you show up to your marathon, you're at the starting line, and if you have a little fuel tank and 2,000 calories is at the top, you're, you're full. Exactly. Because you didn't have bacon for breakfast. Maybe you had oatmeal or something with lots of carbs versus like if you go on a road trip, no one goes on a road trip and the car is half full exactly. and you go, ah, I'll just fuel up on Like everybody goes to the gas station first and then you go. So you're kind of set for your adventure. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. a great analogy because if it's a long trip, like a long run or a long race, you need to stop mid-trip yeah. to refuel mm -hmm. the gas. And that's the point of fueling with gels and Gatorade. And we're going to talk about fueling during in a second. Yeah, because you eventually run out of those 2,000 calories at a certain point, and then you need something with you, exactly. depending so on how long it is. Yeah. That, that's the goal of carb loading, just so people can know, wait, why do I need to carb load? Just to top up those 2,000 around 2,000 calories of carbs that mm -hmm. we can store in our muscles. And one thing about that, like there, there's 2,000 calories. I remember, because I've done like 15 half marathons, so I've practiced a lot with the different carb loading strategies. I remember one year, I got it in my head that the more the better. And I was going to like jam all the carbs into my body the week of, and like the night before I had like two huge servings of pasta and the morning of, and I was running and I felt like I was 500 pounds. Exactly. I, I felt so heavy and gross so i definitely just way overdid it yeah, it you was thought way it, too but much then yeah a little more it overflowed it yeah, spilled exactly. out everywhere and i just <laughs> i remember like i was able to do the whole run but it wasn't like it wasn't this feeling of having all this energy that i thought i was going to have i just felt heavy and my legs felt like 200 pounds each it was gross yeah and the, i think the sad thing about that it not not your not your point about carb loading that was my point it's uh that it's more a art than a science. Yes. People totally. try to scientize carb loading and fueling, but it's super, I think it's impossible because we are not machines. Our bodies are, everyone is unique and based on the weather, how you're feeling, how you slept, everything will affect how you consume calories and how you burn those calories. So it's, it's, it's an art more than a science. We're going to give you some guidelines here, mm -hmm. but as you just mentioned, you need to test. Yeah, you have to experiment because I've had newer runners say, well, what do you eat before a marathon? 
And I usually have like pasta or like chicken and rice the night before and oatmeal the morning of at least two hours out. And that works for me. But someone might try that and feel like garbage or they might find they try something else and they feel way better. Or maybe they need to eat three hours before their run or one hour before. Like you have to just, yeah, it's an art. It's an art. And sometimes you learn the hard hard way. I remember Mm -hmm. uh, like seven, eight years ago when I was doing triathlons, I I had a nutritionist. And it was carb loading and I was in a hotel. I didn't have like my toast with Nutella that it's like one of the things I eat before a long run or or a marathon or a triathlon. And I found like a pastry. And I said, okay, these are carbs, right? So I jam a whole pastry half an hour before the triathlon. And I end up puking during the during the run of the part running part of the of the triathlon. And I told my my nutritionist at that time like Okay, this happened. I puke. It's super strange. Okay, what did you have before? Okay, this. And she was like, come on, dude. You can't do that. And what would your normal breakfast have been if you weren't in a hotel? Uh, the yeah, Nutella some, and... Some toast with Nutella. Yeah. Uh, since then, I improved it to oats. And we're, we're going to talk about how, yeah. how to create a good before meal. Uh, but yeah, it, not every carbs it, are the same. And uh, sometimes when you're full, it, do, it doesn't matter if you cram but another, another goo or another Gatorade or a pastry or whatever yeah. it's not gonna help you uh, in that case and it sucks because then there's nothing you can do about it like nope. when you're running and you're throwing up and you're thinking you're oh, just why feeling did I do heavy. that yeah all you can do is learn from it and the next race don't make the same mistake exactly yeah so that's why what feeling is if you have any doubts that's what the Facebook group is I know sometimes it's a complicated subject and try to explain it through a microphone I try to do my best, but if you have any doubts, go to the Facebook group and we can keep the conversation there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to divide this, uh, the next part, into what to eat before, during, and after your runs. Let's start with when or yeah, when do you need to fuel for a long run, for a run or for a race? Research says that only if your run is going to last more than 75 minutes, so an hour and one quarter an hour and 15 minutes. Why? Because you have those reserves. You have those 2,000 reserves, 2,000 calories reserves that your body can use to run. And it doesn't matter how fast you run, it just matters the time you're out there for. It, 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 matters, the, it matters the time, but as, as I just mentioned, it's more like an art than a science. So yeah. to have a ballpark, for example, do you, know, do you track your calories uh, with your Garmin? How much you how much you burn during a run? I can see that. Yeah, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it, okay. but it's there. Okay. Yeah. So pay, start to pay attention between your easy runs and your speed sessions, for example, or your tempo runs. I'm gonna give you my example. When I'm doing easy runs, and it again, what Garmin says you it's it's a ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's not science, but it, it 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 gives you a sense of how you burn calories, right? So when I'm doing easy runs, in one hour I burn around seven. 800 calories, something like that. When I'm doing a tempo run, or if I'm running a a half marathon or marathon pace, I can burn almost 1,100 calories in one hour. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a three, 400 calorie difference in one hour. But even if I'm running super fast, I can run for like a half marathon pace. I have enough reserves for an hour and 15 minutes. Because mm-hmm. I'm burning maybe 1,400 calories or 1,500, but I, ideally I have 2,000 in reserve. So only if you are 
running more than an hour and 15 minutes is when it start, you need to feel during the, the run or the race. Mm -hmm. what, do, what do you need to eat or what do, can everyone recommend to eat before uh, a run? Carbs are break, broken into two types of carbs, simple carbs and complex carbs. Simple carbs are the ones that you that go really fast into your bloodstream and your muscles, so you like, like you can use them super fast. In this case, fruit juice, honey, and sugar are the ones that okay. When I have a have a teaspoon of sugar, I can feel the rush super fast because they go into your bloodstream really fast. And we also have complex carbs that they are also carbs, but the body like breaks them down into glucose a little slower, so you they take a little more to kick in. Let's let's say that that way. Yeah. So you don't want to be reaching for those during your run because it's going to take too long. But the simple ones would be okay. Exactly. Yeah. But before a run, it's very interesting and very useful to have a breakfast or a meal that includes both types of those carbs. So you have those, that quick availability of glucose and that long-term availability of glucose. That's why, for example, we do talk about oatmeal. Oatmeal is a whole grain. That's a complex carb. And if you add a fruit there, mm -hmm. you have both, both types of carbs in there to have the glucose when you start running and over the long run, pun intended, for your, for, with, with your oatmeal. Okay. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Because I feel really good when I have oatmeal. I'll mash up a banana and put it in the oatmeal and then add a little bit of maple syrup. So I've got one complex carb and two simple carbs. So exactly. and two hours later, if I'm running, I feel great. So you are you are topping your two thousand calories in two different ways mm -hmm. of types of of, of carbs. So um, my staple breakfast that I tried and improved over the years, we talked about it in the in a, in, a, in a previous episode. It's oatmeal with an apple, some nuts to have some fat there, and a scoop of protein shake just to like to level the glucose spike. Mm -hmm. I think it was episode when, when we talk about uh, my year of running, that's where we talk about a little more about uh, the structure of yeah. that breakfast. But uh, for your next long run, for your next race, try to start creating your own personalized ideal breakfast that includes simple carbs and complex carbs. And we should mention like the 2000 calorie thing, you're we're trying to get, top it up. So really like in the morning when you're eating it, if you're going for a long run or a race, you're topping up from the supper that you ate exactly. the night before. So it's not like you have to wake up and have 2,000 calorie breakfast. That's you beautiful. could, but it's going to feel awful. Um, but you're just kind of topping up the reserves from the week yeah. and the night before. Also, your your Garmin can tell you how much calories you burn during the night. It's not, it's not exact, but you based on your weight and your height, and your age, and if you're a man or a, or a woman, uh, it calculates different type, different amounts of calories that you burn during uh, mm. during the night. So what I what I start to do to create this perfect, in quote, my perfect uh, breakfast before run, it's like okay, from the minute I stopped eating my supper the night before to the to the minute that I'm starting eating my my breakfast in the morning. How much calorie, calories did my Garmin said? And that's when I started to add more and more and more things just to have more and more calories and to try to top up those calories that you burn during the night. Mm -hmm. No. Uh, yeah, 
And that's when, when you see uh, a, fuel, a full fueling strategy for a marathon, it starts like three hours before. Three hours before you have uh, that big breakfast, and then you have a, a smaller one, and then you have a goo, and then you have some Gatorade to have, because in 12 hours, if you haven't eaten eat, eat anything, you burn like around a thousand calories. So mm -hmm. what? it's impossible for me at least to consume a thousand calories in the morning, but you try to, to have it as much as you can. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. So that's before, before your runs. You can do that for your life. You can do that for every run. You just, the more calories, carbs you have in your body that you're going to use, uh, it's going to help you to perform better in your runs. And it is ideal to choose foods with low fiber in them as well, I believe, like the morning of a run and the night before I've read, just because it can, like fiber can really sit like a rock in your stomach and make you have to use the bathroom while you're out for a run. So yep. ideally you're choosing carbs that are low, because some cereals you get, sure, they're great carb loading ones, but they're crazy high in fiber. Yeah. So you have to kind of be careful what carbs you're selecting. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you need to practice it. Yeah. Right. Because you're going to tell me, oh, I tried your oatmeal recipe and it went terrible. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's probable. It's, it's possible that it went, it's going to go terrible for you, but you need to get used to it. Yeah. Because some people, apples really bother their stomach. So yeah. if that's the case, they need to try maybe banana, banana or, or pear, like yeah. something else. Yeah. Yeah. So the goal of, the, of, of your meal before you run is to add simple carbs, complex carbs, and as much as you can tolerate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as much as you can eat and still feel good when you go to actually run. Not bloated or heavy like we yeah. we just talked about in a, a few moments ago. Okay, now, during your run, how do you feel during your run? We just said that only if it's more than an hour and 15 minutes, you need to start feeling. When and how? When you can start 30 minutes after your, your run start, so you start to replenish your glycogen or your glucose reserves before they are depleted. Yeah, before you start to feel like you need to. Exactly. And how much? It's between 30 grams and 90 grams of carbs. And if you know that one carb is four calories, so that's between 120 calories and 320 calories. Mm -hmm. Now, I what I've read and for what I know, only elite athletes that really train their gut can tolerate 90 grams of calories. Yeah. I was just looking at this. I have one of those salted caramel goos. That's one of the ones I use. And there's 22 grams of carbs in one. Yeah. So you would need to take one every 15 minutes to get 88 grams an hour. That's I don't think ton. I could no, me neither. do that. No, but, me neither, for sure. Yeah. But the more you, the more you can take, the, the better. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what types of, we already took when, at, uh, start, start 30 minutes after your run start, and every 20 to 45 minutes, however your gut uh, can handle having carbs during, during the run. But the more you can take, the better. Yeah, I've had people say, oh, I, you know, I can do a marathon and I only need two goos. It's not what you only need. Like, it's not but a reward for doing eat. a marathon with two goos or two gels or whatever. It should be like, how much can you get in and still feel good? Because you're going to run better if you get four gels in you instead of two or six instead of four if your body handles it. Yeah, and the more you take, the better you're going to feel at the end mm -hmm. of the marathon or, yeah. or your long run. Um, and... A lot of people complain about goose, 
right? They they feel heavy in the stomach, uh, and I and I get it. And I I have two two things to say about that. One is that you can train your gut. You maybe you start with one third of a gel, and then you start to open. Just as you train your muscles and you train running, you can train your gut. There's a book called The Athlete's Gut, uh, and I, I, I interviewed the, the author a few years ago, and one of his number one learnings was that, that you can train your gut to get used to it. But if you can't, we're gonna talk about different types of simple carbs that you can take in, and you can take them as however you want. Gels are super easy, Gatorade super easy, but if you like, I was just reading yesterday, there's a, a guy running the Boston Marathon every year, that he eats Milky Ways or Mars bars. That works. Right now, the quality of the carbs, we are not trying to have nutrition. We are not trying to, mm -hmm. to get healthy during our runs. We just try, are trying to get fast, easy carbs into our body. Yeah, you just want quick energy. Yes. If that's dry, dry fruit for you, that's perfect. If it's Mars bars or Milky Ways, that's perfect. If it's pizza, if it's bread with <laughs> Nutella, if it, whatever you want to eat, it's fine as long as you are getting those carbs into your body. Yeah, I've read, I have a couple patients who've tried really hard to try different gels and goos and stuff like that. And they just, you know, they've tried them with water. They tried half packets and some of them just can't stand the texture. Yeah. And some it bothers their stomachs. But I've had people use dates, dried fruit, raisins, cranberries, pretzels, but, especially yeah. like the really salty sweaters. So Usually, if you if you give it a good go with the with the little running gels that stores sell, and there's a lots of like natural food alternatives. Yeah. Now, now, what what are the benefits of having gels? Why are they so popular? Because they are created in a way that you get that glucose into your bloodstream super fast. Mm -hmm. And there are the one, two, three, three main different types of of glucose that you can have. One, it's called dextrose. That is what Gatorade has. Dextrose, it's pretty much like glucose, so your body doesn't have to convert anything, so it goes into your bloodstream and into your muscles super, super fast. Then, and yeah, then we have maltodextrin, that it's another type of glucose that converts a little slower than dextrose into your into your bloodstream, and then we have fructose, that it's another. All of their all of these are simple carbs, just just to make to make the the note there. Uh, it gets a little slower into your body. So the more you can create a combination of these three types of simple carbs, the better you are going to be able to assimilate. And another very interesting thing is that fructose use different transporters into your in your body to get into your muscles. So if somewhat, somehow you, you feel full of having goose, that is, for example, what does goose have? Maltodextrin and fructose. They have both types of mm -hmm. of, of, these of these carbs. Uh, if you only have uh, dextrose, like Gatorade, for example, you're gonna there's there's a point that your body can't convert enough of those to, to glucose because they have they have a, we have a limit to that. But if you add fructose that has a different transporter into our bloodstream, then suddenly instead of having only being allowed to have 60 grams of carbs, you can have 80 or you can have 90 because you have different types of, of carbs. Um, when I was creating this podcast or trying to simplify it yesterday, I started to think when was the time I felt better during a marathon? 
and it was the time when I mixed Gatorade, Goose, and Exap uh, energy bars. I think they're, they're, they're okay. a, a really Canadian thing, these exact uh, bars. But if you, yeah, they're from Montreal. If you can get them, uh, they are very interesting because there are only natural things in there. So the the way that the good that it's everything's artificial, just sugar and macrodextrin, mm -hmm. everything is artificial. That that's a way of getting carbs. But if you have these exact bars, that's a different types of carbs and a different way your body is assimilating them. And then if you add Gatorade that has dextrose that none of goo or the exact bars have, you have three different types of mm -hmm. carb, simple carbs that you are getting into your body. And that's the marathon I, 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 felt, I felt better. I feel too the exact ones, if anybody has texture issues with the goos, that's something and you have to chew it, which is if you're running really fast, it can be hard. But I've had those before and they were pretty easy to chew. Like they weren't like the shot block. Yeah, no. ones that you get that are really like, especially in the winter, they're like rock <laughs> hard. Rock. Um, but those are quite good, uh, good option if anybody can't handle the texture. Yeah, and what I what I what I did that time is that I had every twenty minutes I ate something, but I ate half a goo, in 20, and the next twenty minutes half the exact bar, and the next twenty minutes half the goo, half mm -hmm. the exact bar, half the goo. So it wasn't I didn't have to swallow an entire goo every twenty minutes. It's super hard. I, I don't like it. Yeah, I can sit in your stomach kind of heavily if yeah. you, for some people, others are fine. And I find you, I really have to combine mine with water. If I have, I, I remember at the half in Boston, I reached for the Morton and then I thought I had Gatorade or I thought I had water and then it was Gatorade when I reached for the cup. Okay. So I downed the Morton with the Gatorade and my stomach did not like that. For about 10 minutes, I was like, What's I'm going to be here? sick. <laughs> that didn't feel good. And then I got through it, but I find... That with water goes really well. Yeah. And then the, the next point, it's Morton. That it's like this. Everyone's loving Morton. And Edith Kipchoge used Morton and all the leads. So my last marathon, I only tried Morton. I think we talked about that in a, in, a, in a previous episode. It's also only maltodextrin and fructose and a lot of different things. There's If you if you start to read the nutritional facts and the, the ingredients, you, also, you are also going to run into pectin. Pectin, it's a kind of complex carbs are also into this kind of energy gels. Uh, uh, but and because if it's a complex carb, it goes into your bloodstream a little slower, so you have more availability for a longer period. Mm -hmm. The thing that happened to me with, so my Marine Corps Marathon, I only uh, drank or, and, and had uh, Martin. I didn't feel the exact same kick or the exact same, yeah, kick or energy-wise that, by having that combination. And I think that for me, that part was that I didn't have all of those different types of simple carbs and that go, went into my body. So for my next marathon, for example, I'm gonna, instead of goo, I'm gonna use Morton, but I'm gonna uh, mix them with the, with the exact and Gatorade. How, how do you hold everything? Cause you're doing like sub three hour marathons, you're running quite quick. What's every, cause most people doing a marathon don't wear the big vests, yeah. like at your speed anyway. You're using the well, cups, but are you just in a little fuel belt? I have a flask. I run with a flask. You run with your flask, that's right. And where is your gels? In, there, there's a little pocket in the flask. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So and I, they all I, fit in there. Yeah, it was, at the, at the beginning of the marathon, it was a big flask and it was a little heavier, but oh, it, it yeah. started. But I, I found that I prefer that 
than just rely on the core of nutrition. Or the fuel belt. At Petit Train de Nord in 2021, I had the fuel belt and my hands got so cold, I couldn't undo the zipper and get wow. my fuel. So I had a gel at 7K and I was going to have another one at 14. And no, I couldn't. I would have had to stop, warm up my hands, and that wasn't okay. happening. I was <laughs> like, gonna stuff. all right, no gel for me, and I just kept <laughs> I running. I prefer to keep running than yeah. to having that gel. I'll hit, and I did hit the wall like 2K out, Okay, but then I was at 2K, 2K out, yeah, so I was like, I could do anything for, for you know, 2K. nine minutes yeah. or whatever it was. But yeah, and that's another thing you need to practice, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what goes well into you, and if none of these uh, artificial things works for you, try a lot of the dried fruit or yeah and and dates. make sure you're getting things again low in fiber because you have to be oh you maybe your body will be fine with it but you have to again experiment experiment yeah, but the goal here is to get those different types of simple carbs into your body that's the number one mm -hmm. goal number one goal during your run only if it lasts more than 75 mm -hmm. minutes and the perfect time to practice it is during your longest long runs as well like most of us if we're doing a marathon many people will get 32k 30k maybe a bit more those are the runs you practice this stuff because that's when you're going to find out if your body can handle it yeah and uh sometimes i even practice during my speed workouts because the speed you're doing in your long run and the speed you're doing in your marathon is very different and having a go specifically for me at five minutes per kilometer or four minutes per kilometer it feels really different in mm -hmm. my stomach and and how fast I can I can take it. So it's also smart to to try to practice taking them at race speed or a little faster to get used to just open them, mm -hmm. right? Just yeah. op opening them at and not make a mess of yourself. Three fifty per kilometer is way harder yeah. than at five that you can stop a little and yeah. use your. I've had the maple syrup ones yep. and they're really liquidy and I didn't know that the first time I went to have it. I should have known it's maple syrup and it just <laughs> went everywhere and my hands, it was winter and my hands were all full of maple syrup and my face Your and clothes. I was like, I'm never using those again. But I just needed to practice opening it, yeah. not while I was running. Imagine if that happens in, in, in a marathon. Yeah, that would be, especially in the first 5K, if the rest of the marathon you have to be covered in maple syrup, it'll be annoying. Yeah. So that's during. And after we're going to go super fast and easy, the ideal, you, okay, you need carbs to replenish those glycogen reserves so your body can fun, have their normal functions like breathing and <laughs> that stuff. You need carbs for that. And you need some types of proteins just to repair and rebuild the muscle tissue that you just destroyed during your... Yeah. You run. I've read it's really important to get the protein in within 30, 45 minutes. Both and I've them, been yeah. like really trying to do that this time around. So on Sunday, I did 28 kilometers and I have a five-year-old, so I can't just come home and get in the tub and eat. Like she's so excited to see me when I walk in the door and it's like playtime for her. So usually I'll, I'll shower and then once I spend a bit of time with her, I'll go eat, eat lunch. Something. So this time I need to, I need to get some protein powder. That's my plan. But we had some Greek yogurt in the fridge. So I just had like a good few mouthfuls of Greek yogurt to get some protein, something, carbs, yeah. something. Showered, played with her, and then I had like a couple eggs and toast and and I was felt perfect. Yeah, that, that that's really important. In the first 30 minutes after your run stops, uh, have something. Ideally mm -hmm. a full breakfast, but if not, something like you just mentioned, it's better than, than nothing. Mm -hmm. 
And the, 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 the only thing I want to, to say is that the recommended ratio of carbs and proteins, it's two to one. So for every two calories of carbs you take, you take one calorie of, uh, or grams of protein. The simplest math I can, I can think of, and that's the one I use because I try to simplify my life and my runner's life as one protein shake has around 20 grams of protein. Okay. Depends on the protein. Between 20 and 30. But the yeah, one, the one I take, it's, it's 20 grams. So I just need to take 60 grams of, of, cal of carbs. That's 240 calories. That's two toast with Nutella. That's super easy. Oh, yeah, that is easy. Yeah. yeah. I, I plan to get the, I was thinking of our K to J, our, our track yeah. um, workouts, because we tend to go to Anabia and sit around and we have a beer and, but I think I'm going to start having a protein shake right after that. Yeah, then I, go to Anabia and have the beer. I usually have like, uh, at least have a protein bar. Yeah. I need to start doing that. I think, cause I've been feeling great after my long runs on Sunday, but Fridays I feel a little bit like I didn't quite nail my recovery. Yeah. And, and we, during speed sessions, your, your muscles really scream for proteins and carbs and after you're finished it's like I'm super hungry all the time after my yeah. my speed sessions and one way of not being as hungry <laughs> because you're gonna I'm hungry all the time it's to have something mm -hmm. in the first 30 minutes after we run so my legs are screaming for protein and I give them a beer <laughs> at, least so should, at least there are carbs there's at least carbs. there's carbs but I'll add a protein <laughs> shake before the beer and then my body will be yeah. happy maybe a protein shake and a beer a beer depends on the beer but 200 are like 200 calories so yeah carbs in a beer and then we get a cupcake from Anabia so that'll top up my yeah but that protein is really important yeah uh, that's the only thing we can say for after the two to one ratio 30 minutes before and uh you are you are you are helping your body to be ready for your next run yeah and I find especially if you're in our situation where we have kids and we have things we need to do after our run if you don't get your carbs and protein in after your run, you just feel like you're in a fog Sluggish. the rest of the day. Yeah. And, you know, Emily wanted to go to the playground and we went out on the slide and it was like, I wouldn't have wanted to do any of that if I didn't recover yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, recovering right just helps to being a better person, dad, mom. Yeah, then the Sunday's <laughs> not a write-off. Like, I'm going to do my run and then I'm going to be on the couch for the rest of the day. No one bother me. Like, I can't, we can't uh, do that. Those little things that, like, uh, having... Those protein shakes or the yogurt, you just, it was super simple and easy, but it really helped, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you have any questions, please uh, add yourself to the Chasing PRs podcast group in, in Facebook. We can talk more about there. And uh, let's do the runner of the week. Jenny Hitchings. Jenny is from Sacramento in the U.S., and she's 58. She's married. She has two daughters. And in the Boston Marathon, she did 245.32, which yes. is insane. Insane. That, that was the 2021 Boston Marathon. It's not the, the newest uh, runner of the week this time, but I, I found about her yesterday, and I think it's super interesting. Imagine that's a, incredible. A 58 running at 245 and Boston Marathon. That is not the simplest, easiest marathon to run. Yeah, that's a very hilly course to be doing such a fast time. And she's, yeah, 58. at, And you had mentioned at 47, she almost made the Olympic trials. Um, she was 10 seconds short of qualifying for the Olympic trials. At 47. Yeah. That's impressive. 
I read a little more about her and she she ran something in, somehow in college, but she really took on to running again seriously until her late 30s. So it's impressive how you can, I, I've read a lot of people saying, oh, I'm in my 40s, I'm too too late to running. Imagine her, in, through her late 30s, she started running seriously again and she PR'd at 58. Yeah, that's incredible. And at 47, she almost qualified to the Olympic trials. So the, the US Olympic trials qualifier. They are not the Olympics. You are way far away from the Olympics. Yeah. But at least you are one of the top U.S. women runners. Yeah, this, just to make it, just to be able to run in the qualifying along with is the huge. pros, and yeah. that will be awesome. Yeah. So that's Jerry Hitchings, and the other we tr we are trying to do the 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 runners of the week, uh, regular runners like us, right? With kids, she, I I think her two daughters are already like in their in their twenties. But at 47 or 30 that she started, she had small kids that need to be attended. And she also uh, almost qualified for the mm -hmm. trials, Olympic trials. Um, the last thing I want to say about her, it's in an interview I read last night, she, her, her mileage during a marathon was between 20, 75 and 95 miles per week. Okay. During the one that she did 245? Yes. Just okay. to have a ballpark of what it takes sometimes, yeah. mileage-wise, to run that fast. It's one of the simplest things when runners come in and how do I get quicker? It, you know, more. I had someone the other day who wants to go under three hours for a marathon, um, and she was running three days a week. It's like, well, the first thing you need to do, if you can, is run more. start just run more. Yeah. It's like if we want to get better playing soccer, we get out and we practice more, and we get out our friends in the backyard and... Same with running. You want to get better at running. If you can, yeah. just run more gradually. Somet sometimes we, we gradually, yeah, it's very important. Don't get injured. <laughs> sometimes we try to find those hacks. Like, and, and maybe we, 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 and anything can be a hack in, in our personal experience, like strength training. I'm going to do strength training. I'm going to do uh, massages and I'm going to do foam rolling. I know I'm, I'm going to improve my nutrition. I'm going to improve my fueling. I'm going to drink more, more water. I'm going to, I can, you, I, you can do a thousand mm -hmm. things. But if you run more, that's the number one thing you can do. Yeah, it's the lowest hanging fruit, as they say. It's the exactly. easiest thing you can do to get better, but or the simplest thing. I shouldn't say the easiest thing. Yeah, because running more. And if you're listening to this and you run three days a week, don't start running six days a week. Like you slowly go to four days a week, and then if you can, a little bit more. And I feel like every I'm going off on a tangent a bit, but I think unless you're an elite runner, you need a rest day because if you have a family and you work and you're busy. You, you need to be having at least one rest day. Yeah, and your body and your mind need a rest day, yeah. for sure. Okay. And we have two very interesting things for Chasing Sprints this week. Uh, I'm going to do the Chasing Sprints alone this time because Rachelle had to run out to, to treat a patient. Uh, but uh, I, there are two news that caught my, my attention this week. The first one is that uh, new rules for the Boston Marathon for pregnant women. I think I saw that, oh, I think I saw the Instagram post that started all of this because last week I saw a post uh, that it was like an open letter for the Boston Marathon or Athletic Association. Um, and it was like, okay, I trained super hard to qualify to Boston, but in the meantime, I got pregnant. I'm due like two weeks before the Boston Marathon, so I can't go. And I wrote them and they told me that they were not there were no deferrals, no cancellations, no refunds, no anything. And I think that's really unfair. 
And personally, I believe so too, because you never know when your partner with your partner are going to get pregnant. And qualifying for Boston is not that easy, right? So you can you need to train a lot, you need to sacrifice a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, on Tuesday, the Boston Marathon announced that now pregnant women uh, that are registered for for running either the Boston Marathon, the Half Marathon, the 5K or the 10K, so the four races that the Boston Athletic Association organizes, uh, you can defer your entry for the next two years, which I think it's awesome. Um, and congratulations. I think a big kudos and a big clap for the Boston Athletic Association for that. It's, it's not that it's... I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's awesome to have kids, to runners, mom, women runners to be moms, and they should have this kind of special treatment in this case. And I think it's awesome. And that's, that's, that's the news. You, you can register or pregnant women for the next two uh, years for the races. The other one, it's from uh, World Athletics, just released new, test, new, like new guidelines for testosterone levels for all trans athletes. Um, what does that mean? That it, if you are, you, if you, I, I don't know how to say it without uh, getting somewhat angry, so I'm just going to say it. Uh, if you were a man and you transgendered to woman, uh, if you want to compete as a woman, in the past you have to have five nanomoles of testosterone plasma in your blood, less than five nanomoles, for the past year, and then you were allowed to compete as a woman if you were a man. And right now they just got that in half. It's like you need to have at most 2.5 nanomoles per liter of blood of testosterone plasma in your blood and you need to prove to have those levels for at least two years to be able to compete as a um, woman if you were a man. Um, I think it's very interesting. <laughs> that's, that's the point. Um, I have to say I, I agree with that. I, I know it can be a very uh, tricky topic to, to discuss, but some, sometimes I think you need to, to say what you think. And I think especially with my with my daughter, if she busts her butt and train and sacrifice a lot of things to to compete in the Olympics, and somehow a dude comes in way stronger, way faster, and say I want to compete against her, and she gets injured because it, she got hit or something like that, or their their place, their medal, their their spot in the Olympics it's she can have it because of that i will get really angry and i think these new guidelines are in the right direction so uh those are the two chasing sprints for this week thanks for listening for sticking with me along with these chasing prs and don't forget to join the facebook group i, th I think it's going to be a great tool for for everyone for for runners to to interact to learn more, to go deeper into sometimes of sometimes the, the topics we discuss in the podcast. And see you next week with an awesome episode about running slow. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. 
and visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.